eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hi. Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time. Let's make sure I put my cell phone on silent time. Good thing I checked because I hadn't time. So I hope we still have sports time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. West Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. If you're listening to this, it's at least Thursday morning, wherever you are. Could be Thursday afternoon, evening, sometime Friday, Saturday, Anytime over the weekend, but it won't be earlier than Thursday morning. And why am I saying that? Because we're recording this on a Tuesday evening, which we're having to do because I'm taking a, a couple days away. Uh, you know, we don't really get vacations here in, in COVID world, but normally we, we all have taken a couple of vacations as a staff by this point um, in the summer. And I hadn't, was the only guy who really hadn't taken a couple days so far. It's going to be more of a staycation because my wife can't even go away because she's got work she has to do. So basically, I'm going to be doing some uh, honey-do list chores around the house, I do believe. But that's the reason why we're recording this on a Tuesday evening. Normally, try to make it a little bit more, uh, a little fresher, a little more organic. Uh, But this one, we're recording just a little bit early, because we have to. Not just me on this podcast, obviously, because my goodness, that would be boring. Uh, Ryan Callahan coming to us from across town there at the uh, Callahan Castle his home and I gotta ask you Ryan I don't think you were you not on any last week I'm trying to remember any podcasts no no so have you been since then anything drastically changed in the in the lives of the the ever expansive Callahan clan yeah no everything's good it's uh you know every day kind of feels a little bit the same um (laughs) when you're not going a whole lot of places like you said and doing all that but yeah it's busy but uh busy but fun over here with uh you know three kids to keep track of all the time. Yeah. My wife and I, the original plan this summer was to go to, um, Ireland and then maybe Martinique. Uh, there were a couple, couple places, uh, in the Caribbean, the West Indies, we were looking around. So instead of going to Ireland and, and back to the West Indies for a third consecutive year, uh, I might, if I'm lucky, I might go to Home Depot, maybe. Um, so, and as much as I love that place, uh, you can't. You can take the uh, contractor kid uh, out of the family, I guess. But uh, you, you know, you, you you can't. I'm going to sound like George W. Bush there. Basically, what I'm trying to say is my dad's a contractor, so I love that stuff. But <laughs> that that's. I mean that that's what we have now. You know, I mean some people. I mean, I think you went and saw the in laws for your you know vacation slash staycation. You know, we're just all. You got to do what you got to do, right? I think Ramey went to the mountains for a couple of days, which is a good idea. But we're just. This is what we are now, I guess, right? Patrick took his couple of days off to move, you know? So, I mean, this is where we are in 2020. Yeah, no, I've seen some people go to the beach and things like that. In, in a normal year, maybe we would try to pull off something like that. You know, there are ways to get in vacations during this time, but it's, uh, yeah, it's tricky. And uh, with, a, with a couple of new kids, we weren't in a position to really do that this year. So we just, we'll, we'll hold off on any legitimate vacations until next year, I guess. And that's just kind of how it has to be. Yeah, in all fairness, if I had, uh, I could be going. We we have a uh, for years we we have a family place down at St. Simons. The family does it at St. Simons Island down in Georgia, a beautiful island down there near the Georgia Florida border. And um, I would probably be going there, 
but my wife can't go, so she would probably be upset with me. And and I don't, you know, I don't want to do that because like she'd act like she wasn't be upset, but you know she'd be upset. So uh, I'm I'm not doing that. I'm taking one for the team here. Got some chores to do around the house, uh, but other than that, uh, I I do. I'd normally want to talk about, you know, whatever the, the, the news du jour, the news of the day is with COVID. But in this world, gosh knows what could happen between the time we're recording this Tuesday evening and then on into Wednesday. Everything can change uh, in, in that in that time span. Ask the Miami Marlins. Ask Major League Baseball. Uh, that's just kind of kind of how things are right now. So I don't want to touch that stuff because, one, it'd be nice to take a break from it. Two... Uh, whatever we're saying here, we might have to delete it tomorrow before it gets published. So that's just kind of where we are right now, Ryan. So let's talk a little bit of actual football. What actual football? Uh, had a couple of interesting topics, uh, stories that came out Tuesday on the site. Uh, there at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets to get your Tennessee news. And we're producing, you know, at least more than a dozen fresh content pieces every single day. And not to brag on us, but I'm saying that we're, we're bringing people news. And a couple of interesting things came out Tuesday, Ryan. One was, let's, let's, start, with, let's start here. Trey Smith was named uh, 24-7 Sports, made a list of the top 50 players in college football uh, with a panel of people speaking up on it you know, voting on this and that, and came up with Trey Smith at number 31, which I got to say, it's not what I would call disrespectful at all, but maybe a little bit low. Maybe. Maybe. I, you can make that argument. Uh, I don't know. When you see some of the names in front of him, though, like there are certainly some, there are obviously some legitimate, you know, stars. Oh, and, for and, sure. And, and guys who get the ball in their hands or who, sack the quarterback or, you know, play in the secondary. They, they tend to have a chance to separate themselves a little more easily sometimes than linemen do. And especially in Trey Smith's case, if you're rating, rating him for the draft, you know, there, there are always the concerns of does he project as a tackle at the next level? You know, I, I think we've seen enough now at Tennessee to know that guard may be his best position. And when you're a guard, you got to be really good for for people to kind of put you in that top fifteen, top twenty discussion. So we are we are seeing more NFL teams draft guards and centers that early, though. We are, we are. I mean, you definitely see some first round picks, but even when they sneak into the first round, it's off in the second half of the first round. So True. it just this just depends uh, how that draft is shaping up and just how dominant that player is. So I, you know, Trey's an interesting case. I, you can certainly make an argument for him to be higher on that list, but uh, I, I've got no problem with him at thirty one, and that puts him kind of. If all those guys on that list are, are going to the draft next year, you know, that puts him in that late first round discussion at the very least, which I think is a probably a good place for him to start because I think he he probably looks like right now that, you know, kind of late first to second round pick uh, just based on what we've seen so far. But obviously a lot of upside there and a lot of teams are going to be watching him closely this year if he's able to play. I got to tell you, though, uh, I really love uh, our guys, Charles Power and Chris Hummer. They do an awesome job. But they, they did this order. Uh, they started with number one as you scan down and then went down to like 50. Why not start with 50 and build up to one? Where's the suspense there? I, I don't, you know, we're gonna have to, I'm going to have to talk to him about that. But bottom line here is you cannot argue with number one on the list, Trevor Lawrence at Clemson. You just, sorry, Tennessee fans. I hope you didn't just run off the road a second ago while listening to that. But, you know, Trevor Lawrence is, I, I think you'd have to argue the best player in college football. I, I don't know that you could find anyone who's better than him. Could you, I mean, that's a pretty justifiable number one pick. Yeah. I, I got, I don't think anyone can have much of a problem with that. And, you know, he's, he's going to be in the, in the discussion for that uh, number one overall pick in the draft. So no, no reason to not put him in the mix, uh, you know, right, right there at number one or, or very close to that. And in, the, in these rankings, you know, even, even when he's off, he's, he's going to be regarded as one of the best players in college football. Even when he's not winning a national championship, you're going to think of him that way. So, He's he's got all the talent in the world, and uh, when you know he's he's talked about the same way a lot of people talked about Peyton Manning coming out of college. You know that yep, uh, sure is just a, a lot of buzz about what kind of pro he's going to be. And and honestly, if whoever's picking at number one doesn't take him next year, uh, they'll they'll probably have some explaining to do to their fans, or, or they'll at least need to have a good quarterback uh, to to excuse that one because there there are not going to be many quarterbacks or many other players you'd 
uh, really have a strong argument for taking over him. Yeah, and I'll go just over the top 10 here quickly. I'm not going to tell you all 30 that are before Trey Smith or who are before Trey Smith. Sorry, it's a pet peeve there. Uh, interesting at number two, went with Panay Sewell, the left tackle there at Oregon. I think a lot of people may, may have put Justin Fields there, but you can't argue with Sewell. I mean, you could argue, but that dude's an excellent, excellent player and he's going to be a longtime pro for a long, long time. Uh, Justin Fields, uh, as the aforementioned Justin Fields, quarterback Ohio State, slides in there at number three, Jamar Chase. Uh, the wide receiver LSU fourth, uh, LSU cornerback, corner back Derek Stingley at five. Uh, Penn State linebacker Micah Parsons, really, really good player, comes in at number six. Marvin Wilson, defensive tackle Florida State at seven. Uh, Gregory Rousseau, the defensive end from Miami, right there at number eight. Uh, Chuba Hubbard, the running back at uh, Oklahoma State, who's had a really interesting offseason for mentions we probably won't discuss on this podcast. He comes in at number nine. And... Uh, uh, the the guy who's not a sleeper anymore. He was a sleeper. Now I think a lot of people know what kind of dude this is. Trey Lance, the quarterback at uh, North Dakota State, uh, or as uh, my buddy who had a who had an uncle play there, North Dakota State. Uh, he's the the number ten player. A couple other Tennessee uh, opponents who are going to be on that list: Jalen Waddle, wide receiver at Bama, comes in at thirteen. Devontae Smith, Bama wide receiver at fifteen. Uh, there's a couple more here. Alex Leatherwood, the offensive tackle at Bama, 19. Dylan Moses, the linebacker from Alabama, coming in at 21. wonder uh, if people are picking Bama to be good this year. Uh, Patrick Sertan, uh, the cornerback from Alabama, a legacy player there of a, just a great, great player who uh, of his father. Uh, he is 23 overall, the Alabama cornerback. Uh, Najee Harris, the running back at Bama, 26th. So, uh Kyle Pitts, tight end at Florida, who scored against Tennessee last season. He is at 28, really good player. And, and there's more that are beyond Trey Smith, but there's lots and lots of uh, lots and lots of Tennessee opponents on this list, Ryan. And that kind of leads me to to this discussion right here. Um, there's there's been a lot of when you look at the at the polls, right? And we just mentioned, you know, how many Tennessee opponents are going to be in the top 30 or so players in college football this season. It stands to reason that with that number of opponents who are players on that list you got to think Tennessee's schedule is going to be pretty tough and lo and behold uh, I don't want to say consensus because there's some disagreement maybe on a couple of these teams but almost a consensus top 10 for four Tennessee opponents Oklahoma clearly uh, which we'll see if that game's happening it still is, has been scheduled hadn't been changed yet and, and then the ones people know about Florida Georgia and Bama so four top 10 opponents for Tennessee and when you're Tennessee, you expect to play a tough schedule, but when you toss Oklahoma into that, I mean, you're playing just about as tough a schedule as anybody. Yeah, and th- and this is kind of more of the same for Tennessee. You know, I think Tennessee fans are kind of used to this by now when you play Alabama every year, and and obviously that's been a, a, a game Tennessee hasn't won in, in almost 15 years now. So you, you've got you've to assume that Tennessee's schedule is going to be pretty tough, but uh, at the same time, you know, four top 10 teams on the schedule going into the season is is what it is, and um, you know, Oklahoma is, is going to be a, a trendy pick to, you know, win the big 12, even without uh, Jalen hurts, you know, that there are certainly a lot of people expecting them to be in that national title discussion basically every year. And, you know, Spencer Rattler, a talented young quarterback, we'll, we'll see what he can do. But the last time Tennessee faced a, you know, an untested, but talented quarterback at Oklahoma, it was Baker Mayfield's sort of coming out party in the final quarter yeah, and a half no, no no pressure spencer that you look at that line of quarterbacks you're following no pressure there whatsoever yeah so uh so still reasons to think oklahoma is going to be tough and no reason to think they shouldn't be a top 10 team uh the one to me you could argue is is maybe florida um you know i still think they're a good team and and certainly have no no major questions about them that make me say they shouldn't be a top 10 team absolutely shouldn't but you know i could see them losing a couple games and maybe not quite being a top 10 team but they'll be a tough tough matchup and then you got georgia and alabama obviously two teams that a lot of people are expecting to to be national title contenders and at the very least you know favorites in the sec in the two sec divisions so uh and they play each other this year uh so we'll maybe get an early idea of how those two teams stack up and and what tennessee can expect in those games but um yeah when you look at what tennessee's likely to face this year even if the schedule gets altered even if you only played 10 games or whatever it looks like there's a, a strong desire for the big 12 to to, to keep as many games intact as possible for the SEC to maybe keep some of those Big 12 and ACC matchups they have out of conference. So you got to think Oklahoma is likely to stay on the schedule if everything goes off as, as planned. And then those three SEC games that, that are always there for Tennessee are tough. So you're going to have those four games that 
you got a lot to to overcome if you're going to pull off an upset in any of those games. And that's, uh, you know, just sort of confirmation of what, what we've talked about for throughout the entire off season, you know, even before it looked like, you know, the season might get altered. A lot of the talk was on Tennessee, you know, going eight and four. <laughs> a lot of people expect kind of expecting that because those four games are so tough and can they pull off an upset against one of those teams? Yeah. And, and here, here's the, the interesting thing though, if you want to be, more optimistic about this uh and, and you know nothing wrong with optimism it's not going to cost you anything it's free uh if you want to be more optimistic about this three of those four teams are replacing their starting quarterbacks so you know i i think that there are caveats there certainly uh, with radler you know young guy uh, but that system is great and it's a it's a great offensive system plenty of talent around him and a really good coordinator, head coach, quarterbacks coach, all that stuff. Uh, the others, there are some caveats there, though. Georgia is going to have a new quarterback without Jake Fromm being there. Uh, but if it's Jamie Newman, that's a guy who's played a lot at Wake Forest, put up some good numbers for for who I believe is still a really good offensive coach there. Uh, Dave Clawson, I know the Clawfins didn't work at Tennessee, but the guy's put up numbers everywhere else he's been. Uh, then Alabama, Mac Jones did get experience last season. Uh, and he showed that he could go up there and throw for 300-plus uh, against a, a pretty darn good passing defense. So th- th- it's not like you're, you're playing, you know, chumps there. Uh, and maybe we'll see what happens um, with the, the other transfer for Georgia. The guy Tennessee looked into, JT Daniels. We'll see what's going on there. But bottom line is these guys have experience playing other places, uh, but they'll be new, new-ish in some ways. I mean, Mac Jones played quite a bit at times last season, but, but these are new guys. And if you're looking at a, the most important position on the field and you've got some, maybe even some mild questions there, that's a good thing, right? I mean, other than Trask, these other teams got questions they got to answer there. Yeah. And and in a year where you haven't gotten a normal off season, you haven't gotten, you know, we'll, we'll see what preseason practice ends up looking like, but uh, obviously practice time is going to be at a premium going into this season. And, uh, and those guys have a lot of catching up to do after not getting much of a spring, if at all, uh, getting spring practice this year. And, and then you throw in, yeah, like you said, a guy like JT Daniels who just got there this summer, you know, they've, they've got to really make the most of those summer workouts they're getting and uh, make up for lost time. And that, you know, that, that sort of lends itself to the teams that have a lot of returning experienced veterans maybe having a little bit of an upper hand early in this season. So, yeah, if, if you're looking for some positives there, the fact that Oklahoma will be breaking in a, a first-time starter at quarterback and, and Spencer Rattler, you uh, you know, you could even see that being Tennessee's season open, opener, depending on how the schedule plays out. You know, that, that's a, a possibility at the very least. And, you know, Georgia being pretty early in the season, they, they still might have some quarterback questions to sort through depending on how that shakes out. So, yeah, those are things working in Tennessee's favor. And Alabama, you know, I, I think there's reason to think Mac Jones can can take that job and run with it and be good. But you got Bryce Young, another talented freshman in there that's kind of waiting in the wings that it could step in if uh, if needed or if they feel like he's ready to to kind of claim the throne the way the way Tua did a few years ago. Yeah, uh, it's that. hard. It's hard to think you're just going to step in and be what Tua was. You know that that doesn't mean that a team like Bama has to have a quarterback like Tua. We've seen Bama win quarterback or national titles without what I would call excellent quarterbacks so you, you you look at it regardless of who it is though it's not going to be Tua right yeah no it it, it won't be but I, I will say this I mean when you go back and look at what Mac Jones did and maybe Tennessee fans didn't watch him as closely down the stretch uh to, to see what he did but he Mac Jones put up some really good numbers uh, in those final games last year and I, I thought played pretty well you know kept them right there with Auburn in a high scoring game you know he, he did some good things to make you think that that Alabama offense won't won't miss much of a beat without Tua this year. They'll they'll still be able to put up some big numbers with some of those receivers coming back. No no reason that can't be a really good offense. So that even though yeah, there's some uncertainty there. I think those those teams all there's reason to think all three teams will be okay. But yeah, at least some uncertainty there going into this year that you know maybe gives Tennessee some hope. And, and here's the interesting thing, Ryan. Before we go to break, here's the here's the interesting thing for people saying that Tennessee will take a, a big step forward next year. 
and, and I think that's very possible. Uh, you know, uh, I, you look at the talent they've, they've been accumulating. You look at the way they've developed some players. You look at some of the guys they're bringing back up front uh, on both sides of the ball. You know, you, you've, you, you've, you've got some things there that, that looked like they could be pretty good situations. However, if Tennessee is going to take a big step forward, whether that would be, you know, anything like nine and three or better, what would maybe be considered a huge step forward. Let's look at this. You look at Tennessee's schedule, and if Tennessee plays all 12 of these games, right, if Tennessee is going to win nine games, Tennessee has to win every single game that is not one of those four teams, right? They got to win those other eight games, which there's a bunch of potential stumbling blocks and headaches in there. And on top of that, they have to go beat one of those top four. Yeah, you got to hold serve against South Carolina, which, you know, that game, again, Tennessee won this past year, but kind of got away from South Carolina. I think going on the road this year to South Carolina, that even even in an unusual year where there may not be fans or may not be many fans in the stands, you know, that's still not going to be an easy game. Uh, you've got Kentucky, which a lot of people I've, you know, this offseason are kind of high on Kentucky, seeing what they have coming back, a lot of experience. I'm glad to see that because a lot of people I think were at the beginning of the offseason were kind of underselling Kentucky, and I think Stoops and those guys have done a good job up there. They, they've got a lot coming back. Uh, what, what, there was a, a ranking of like the top 50 players uh, at, on offense and defense from, from the SEC coming back from last year uh, based on pro football focus scores, I think it was. And Kentucky had a pretty high number of, of the top 50 in the conference on both sides. You know, not up there at number one, but you know, not far behind the Alabamas and Georgias of the conference. So uh, that that's there's reason to think that that Kentucky game won't be easy. Yeah, Missouri, you know, you can't count on that one being easy. Tennessee had a close game there last year, so you've got to you've got to take care of business in all those games, and then maybe steal one to yeah get to that nine win mark or avoid four losses, however you want to look at it, and, and what may be a shortened season. So. Yeah, that, that's a challenge, and uh, you know they've got to hold serve in, in those games that people are, are sort of penciling in as wins too. So uh, no no guarantees of, of anything with that schedule, and then and then yeah to to pull an upset against one of those four, it's it's going to be a tall order. But I, I do think Tennessee is at least in a better position to maybe challenge one of those teams this year. Yeah, that that's why people who who keep who keep insisting that Tennessee is going to take a big step forward. I mean, I'll be honest, when you've heard that a few times over a dozen years, it kind of starts to, that plays on your mind. You know, you try to take each individual season as its own thing, right? But there were times, uh, you know, when Lane Kiffin was there, uh, that one year that it looked like, hey, the, these guys could really get things going here, you know, and, and it, you know, it, obviously that whole thing fell apart for different reasons. Uh, there was some optimism at times during the Dooley era. Don't laugh, there was. Um, when you saw the the, fir- the early performance against Oregon, a couple of other things that made you think, okay, you know, maybe these guys, you know, it's an explosive offense, you know, hey, they can do some things here. You know, that didn't work out. Uh, during the Butch Jones era, you saw them flirt with kind of being right back up there, but but then they weren't able uh, to make it stick. Obviously, things fell apart there. So, so you you, you, you don't want to just assume ever that, okay, this is going to happen. I'll tell you, it's going to happen at some point. Football has been played for college football for more than a century now Tennessee more often than not uh, has been a top 10 caliber program that that's where Tennessee is historically however it, I don't know when it's going to happen and if it's going to happen this year if it's going to happen right now then you're going to have to run you're going to have to run game in those other eight games you're going to have to sweep them and you're going to have to go pluck one of those other four and in order to do that Tennessee has got to play better than it did even during the winning streak last season. Tennessee has got to take a big step forward, especially at quarterback. They've got to be better there. I think they'll be pretty darn good on defense. I think that's a that's a safe bet. Um, you know, Oklahoma, maybe some others, they do damage against everybody. But in general, Tennessee's going to be fine on defense as long as that head coach is there. Uh, he's a great defensive coach. They're going to be good there. Uh, you just You're replacing a lot in the passing game. Uh, you got inconsistencies at quarterback, and no matter how good you are up front, those guys got to prove it. And even if they do prove it, the quarterback play's got to get better. So for me, that that's where I run into a it's kind of a stumbling block when I say, you know what, maybe this does look more like an eight and four team than like a nine and three team or something like that. I, I think people need to be cognizant of the fact that that's possible. Yeah, no, the, there are some. I mean, the, this team has a lot coming back in some key spots. But I and the thing I've pointed to throughout the offseason, I've seen some pretty decent teams get derailed by losing a lot less at wide receiver than Juwan Jennings and Marquez Callaway were to that team last year. Um, bailed them out a lot. 
Yeah, and, and Jarrett Garantano really relied on those guys to make some, make some good plays on 50-50 ball sometimes, and that, that kind of propelled that offense uh, when the run game was not always there last year. You know, it was at the end of the season. We'll see again if they can continue to build on that this year with guys like Eric Gray and, and Ty Chandler leading the way, but, you know, your depth at running back has taken a hit, losing Tim Jordan. So you, you, you may have to have some help in the passing game, and, and they've got mostly untested guys there that are going to need to to come through and, and Josh Palmer, the, the one real uh, tested, experienced, proven guy there has got to take a big step forward. You know, you got Brandon Johnson, another experienced guy, but you don't know how much he's going to be, uh, you know, in the mix for a starting job or, or whatever that's going to be. I've always been sneaky high on Brandon Johnson. I think if you give him opportunities, I think he can be a solid player. But but I, I get that a lot of people just see him kind of as a guy and, and maybe he is, but I, I think he could be a pretty solid player. And, and yeah, you don't know how he'll fit in with with uh, Valus Jones Jr. and and all the the younger and newer guys they've got at that position. So you got to got to see how that sorts itself out. But yeah, Josh Palmer and a cast of largely unknown guys is kind of what you have there. So I you know there there are reasons to be certainly optimistic based on the way Tennessee finished last season. But when you look at that schedule combined with just the, the little bit they did lose, Nigel Warrior at safety is a bigger loss than than people probably are thinking because you don't have a you know, a real proven guy, you know, back there. And he played really well the second half of last season. Daryl Taylor still a lot to replace at, at, at outside linebacker, that edge rushing presence. You, you don't have anybody proven that's done quite what he did. Uh, you've got that whole defensive line basically back. You've got a lot back on the offensive line, so there's plenty to build on. But some uncertainty, and that's not even getting into the concerns like tight end where you've got a major question mark now. So combine that with a tough schedule, it, it, there's still reasons to be, to be maybe cautious about saying this is the year Tennessee fully breaks through. And the one team out there that, that looks maybe the most beatable of those four is the one that maybe has one of the best game day coaches in college football and uh, Dan Mullen, a guy who will never, ever, 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 ever win an off season because he's just awkward and that's just how it is. Um, but he just puts together pretty good football teams. Uh, yeah. and, and that's going to be, maybe you look at it, you, you know, you get them, you know, in Knoxville, hey, maybe, maybe that's, maybe that's, maybe that's a, a winner. Maybe you can win that game. Uh, maybe it looks like the most winnable of the four. Maybe depending on how you view the Oklahoma situation, that's a uh, maybe it won't be as daunting if you go out there and there are no fans. I, I don't, I don't know, or just a few fans. But you look at maybe the most winnable one is Florida, and and that's you know that it's a really good coach. So that that's that's the issue right now is that every time I look. And I say, you know what? If I'm going to pick Tennessee to go 9-3, it's got to win those other eight, and it's got to beat one of those four. And it's just hard to sit there right now, uh, late July, and say, I think they're going to beat that one. And I know a lot of fans will, and that's fine. That That's what fans are for. I mean, that's I think the Cubs are going to win the World Series every freaking year. But, you know, I, I just – it gets tough. to When, when you got to pick one of them, it gets tough. Yeah, and, and I, I'll, I'll maybe disagree with you a little bit on, on which one's the most likely for Tennessee to win. I – not to say that Florida is not realistic because I think it, it could be, um, but you know, Florida has been a team. They at times this off season, they've been kind of a trendy pick to maybe steal the sec East this year because yep. of Georgia replacing some guys, uh, even though that's a really talented Georgia team coming back. Uh, and they've got, you know, some number one ranked recruiting classes recently. You still got some things to replace there. So maybe, maybe there's an opening and Florida does bring back an experienced quarterback, as you said, and Kyle Trask. So maybe, uh, maybe they've got a chance this year. And at, at times some people have thought that this off season, um, I'd, I'd be really interested if we if we do have an SEC media days at some point, which I don't know if we will. You know who who gets picked to win the East? Uh, I think it would probably be Georgia, but there'd be a lot of a lot of votes for Florida. So I, I would maybe lean toward Oklahoma being the one Tennessee could steal. Um, even even weird. though it's over there, does does the lack of fans change things, or or maybe yeah. lack of a full house change things? I think it maybe helps. It makes it less of a, a big road game. You've got an experienced quarterback in Jarrett Garantano, even if it is a you know full full house there or something closer to that. And then on top of that, you know, you've, as we said, you've got a young quarterback in there. It'd be his first real test. You know, Oklahoma's never really had a great defense during this recent run they've had. So there's a chance for you to keep up. Tennessee probably has to score some points to win that game, but I, I wouldn't rule that out given Oklahoma's defense not being a, uh, a traditional powerhouse. So I, I would maybe lean a little bit toward Oklahoma being the most attainable, but all four of those are tough, obviously, for, for different reasons. And I'll leave you with this thought before we go to break. Uh, this could completely open a whole new can of worms and could probably be its own podcast episode at some point. But 
if these games are played in front of, you know, 20% crowds, 30% crowds, 40% crowds, 0% crowds, if there are no crowds there or few crowds or small sparse crowds there, you could make an argument that that makes Jared Garantano a lot more interesting because we've all seen the things that he can do kind of in practice when, you know, he's out there just kind of playing the game. Uh, what kind of arm he has, the kind of plays he can make. And if you maybe take away some of that pressure, fans on game day, maybe things could change in a way for him. I don't know. It's just a thought I've had recently. I think that's that's something that uh, maybe to consider there. Just something. It's an interesting thought. I I, I could see that being I, – I don't know who, who that would benefit because a lot of young quarterbacks, you know, that's one of the things you have to adjust to in college. You know, a, an untested guy like a Spencer Rattler, like a – you know, like whoever's whoever Georgia's quarterback might be, those guys are experienced. But you know, playing in the SEC environments for the first time or whatever, you know that that's that's something you have to deal with for the first time. Is the elements going on the road, the fans, and you know, taking that away does that maybe even help some young guys adjust more quickly? Uh, you know, you can communicate easier to the sideline, things like that. That can help a young quarterback. So I, I don't know who that would help more. It's an interesting discussion, but certainly can't hurt a guy like Garantano, even though he's played a lot. Yeah, just just a thought that I've had recently because of of you know kind of him with some crowds in the past and arguably some nerves that, that have caused him some issues. I don't know. It's just another thought for another day. Maybe I'll write a column on that. I'll, I'll probably think on that during these few days where I'm uh, on a staycation. Um, hope I'm not thinking too much about Tennessee football during that staycation. Hopefully, I'm I'm, I'm just having a good time. But uh, regardless, those are some interesting things to discuss. And we're going to go to break, though. We're overdue for a break. we got to get there, and we're going to come back, and we've got more Tennessee football discussion. And this is going to be recruiting, Tennessee recruiting discussion, which we didn't have much of on the podcast last week. Now we got Ryan back, and uh, we can discuss a little more Tennessee recruiting. Some uh, some good news there, some maybe less than good news, and some uh, some undecided. So basically like life, I guess, right? Back in a second, guys. Hashtag ad. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome back to the Go Balls 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products and services and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. Made the mistake earlier this week of, uh, of, of, of kind of coming back from the break. You know, you get a swig of water, then you come back. And I still had too much water in my mouth. So I was kind of, you know, gargling it through a little bit there for the, uh, uh, for the, the, the break out of the, out of the commercial. So got that lesson learned, did better this time. Wes Rucker, Ryan Callahan coming to you here from different parts across the 865 area code talking Tennessee football. And before we get into Tennessee football recruiting, I do need to mention this. Go in, take a second, guys. You know what I'm about to say. You know what I'm going to say. Go in there, please rate and review this podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. No matter where you're getting it, if you're getting it on Apple Podcasts, if you're getting it on uh, Spotify, if you're getting it on kind of Stitcher, TuneIn, uh, you know, wherever you're getting this podcast, because we go to just about all of them. Uh, please, we're happy to do this for free. 
We really are. It's it's no trouble. We ha- we are happy to do this. The one thing we're going to ask you to do, please go in and rate and review this podcast. Nothing that you do will help us more than rating and reviewing this podcast. On to back to business, I suppose. Uh, business for us, pleasure for most of you. Uh, Tennessee football recruiting. Ryan, it, it's it's been kind of we knew some of this was coming because Tennessee during the early portions of the the coronavirus pandemic quarantine period Tennessee just went on an absolute heater like you know getting 20s and 21 just throwing it all out there every every hand Tennessee went on an absolute bender getting guys and rose up to number two nationally in the rankings Uh, now however uh, we're starting to see what we knew was coming to a certain extent that Tennessee as these other programs start to go get more and more prospects to get closer to Tennessee's commitment total you're seeing Tennessee slip down the board a little bit I think Tennessee has been gone from two to three to four I think now down to five possibly uh, at the time we're recording this so or at the time this is being released so you look at this Ryan and it's it's really not much of a surprise, but but does it perception is such a funny thing, a fickle thing. You know, you, it seems like everything's going so great, and then you don't get a commitment for a while, and people are going, "Oh, are they struggling?" No, not really. We kind of expected this, didn't we? Yeah, I, I think we did, and you know, everybody kind of wondered about that. Uh, there was a lot of discussion about it on the uh, on the checkerboard on GoVols 24-7 back in the spring of, hey, this is a lot of fun right now. Tennessee's just gotten, what, 14 commitments in a month. Uh, you know, it, it extended beyond that initial month, got a few more. And then they got Hudson Wolf in mid-June, and things just kind of stopped for a little while. And, uh, you know, that's the downside of having a run that early is not that you run out of space necessarily, but that uh, as you meet needs and as you fill spots in your class, you know, even though there's still some turnover that I'm sure might happen in the coming months, you know, you're kind of waiting on the big fish now. You're waiting to, to get some guys that, that aren't – not everybody's going to decide early, so you've gotten to that point in the calendar where you're just sort of waiting on some guys. And you know, there are still some, some players approaching some, some late summer decisions here, maybe looking to do something going into their senior seasons. But, it, yeah, it's, it's been that lull for the past six or seven weeks uh, with, with nobody really being added to Tennessee's class during that time. There have been some announcements couple that haven't gone their way but otherwise a, a pretty quiet summer and that's not what we see and it, i don't think it would have been that way if we were not in the middle of a dead period you know this is normally a big time for visits in the summer even with a month-long summer dead period you usually have a lot of visits and camps in june you have another week at the end of july where where you get to host more visitors that was all wiped out this year and and that obviously uh, took away from a lot of the natural activity and things that can happen in recruiting uh, during the summer when it's been it's the summer is normally such a busy time for commitments and this year because of that Tennessee's busy stretch was in the spring so that's just kind of what's happened and you know we said other teams would catch up to Tennessee as they as they added commitments and uh, sort of caught up in commitment totals and and that is what has happened you know Alabama's gone on a really good run lately they're up to number two in the class uh, you know really on a tear lately Ohio State's still up there at number one. They, they've had a, had a good year, and they, they're another team that was hot early early in the, the dead period. Oregon now up there at, uh, at number three. They've had a pretty good year as well so far. Uh, North Carolina, you know, was, was up there in the top five at, at one point, and uh, they've, they've slipped a little bit lately, but still right there in the mix. And then, uh, and then LSU right on Tennessee's heels also. Uh, and, and now you've seen Clemson make a move, uh, obviously, into the top five. So, with the addition of Peyton Page this week, so that, that's a uh, that's a tough uh, tough deal to look at, I guess, for fans to think Tennessee's maybe losing some ground or whatever. But this was kind of inevitable, and we knew it would happen as teams caught up numbers wise, and that's sort of where why we are where we are right now. Yeah, and it's worth also mentioning that that you know there will be more fluidity in this class. I, I, I would. Uh, there's no sense in speculating who it would be, but you look at Tennessee's class right now, not all of those kids are going to sign with Tennessee. That's just not how the thing works anymore. So uh, there will be movement that way. Uh, certainly there, there will also be, you know, ratings updates, you know, and, and especially some of these guys, if, if they play in states where they can go out there and they can play and, you know, you can get film on them and, and guys will naturally kind of move up and down the rankings. And so that can affect things. So there's all kinds of ways that you can still have changes in the ratings even if you're not having a bunch of you know additions necessarily to your class so there's all kinds of reasons to 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 really stay on top of this stuff because if you're a fan because 
you're going to see stuff. Uh, you're you're going to have Tennessee recruiting guys who are in, you know, uh, this class. You're going to see them try to get, you know, one benefit of having so many guys committed to the current classes. You can pay more attention maybe to future classes, and you can kind of maybe start spending a little more time building legwork and building foundations there. Uh, and we'll talk about that here in just a second. But But there's always ways for this thing to move, right, Ryan? Yeah, that's a great point, and that's especially this year. I'll, I'll go ahead and warn people, not that I know of any – you know, imminent moves in the rankings and things like that. But I think you should be prepared for the possibility that the rankings could change quite a bit this fall as, as hopefully we see, you know, high school football starting up here soon and we get to see more film of players uh, as colleges get to see more film of players. And yeah, they Cause we went an entire spring without seeing anything. Yeah. Spring and summer being wiped out was such a, such a detriment to, to obviously everyone's evaluations and, uh, and to see, to see things firing back up now, you know, you've got to make up for lost time. And so there, there are going to be some guys that we find out we were wrong about or find out need to be, you know, ranked higher than they are or guys who burst onto the scene that we didn't know about before. So I think you could see some pretty volatile rankings this year, um, just sort of based on making up for lost time. You know, sometimes guys stock slips a little bit in the spring when, when uh, everybody gets to go around and see them in camps and all that. And, and some guys vault up the rankings. None of that got to happen this year. So we're sort of behind on some things. And uh, and some guys, quite frankly, that this being an unusual year, sat around during the quarantine, didn't do enough to stay in shape because they couldn't, didn't have access to a weight room or whatever. And and those guys, you know, maybe aren't aren't in the shape they need to, to maintain their rankings. So there will be things like that. So there, there's a ton of stuff that's going to change with all that. And, and, yeah, you're right. That could end up impacting where Tennessee and some other teams finish in the rankings. But And that may be – benefits Tennessee this year because there is a thought that the Vols have some uh some maybe under the radar guys to some degree in their class that it could end up being ranked higher by the time signing day rolls around so that, that's something that could go either way but you saw that could... last year you saw that last year a lot of Tennessee's guys in that very last uh rankings you know uh update there they went up a lot yeah no so uh, you could definitely see a little more of that and, and again you know the evaluations being on hold I, I can't stress enough I still think we're going to see some turnover within Tennessee's class it's just how it always goes especially if visits get to resume but even if they don't just having that additional film to go by hopefully in high school football at least in some states it's going to be a big deal and and uh, to get a chance to evaluate those guys again schools will change their minds about players they liked they'll go after players they weren't going after before a lot of things will change, and uh, and that's going to lead to some natural shakeups in classes. It's just how it's going to go uh, as they make up for lost time. So I, I think that's something to keep in mind. Tennessee's class might look like it's close to done with 23 commitments, but it's uh, realistically nowhere close to being done with all the changes and, and the additions they still could make. Yeah, and there are other guys too. I mean, you know, things with Page obviously didn't go Tennessee's way. He he picked Clemson and that that might drop I think the Vols down to 5th in the rankings. Uh sort of not not really surprising kind of kind of where we thought uh it, it it might be. But there are other 2021 guys coming up pretty soon on some decisions, right? I mean, I you look at it and you look at the calendar, Ryan. I you know this better than I do, but you look at it and I think there are some 2021 guys who who could be maybe getting to decisions here pretty soon. Yeah, there are uh, there are some guys that I you know you wondered once it got to this point if guys would be more willing to wait until until September uh, because the dead period has been extended through the end of August you know to see if they would be willing to wait until September to you know for the possibility of taking more visits uh, but there are some guys that still appear to be closing in on on decisions uh, one that's maybe uh, more imminent you know now that the Peyton Page announcement's out of the way and that one was scheduled for a few weeks but one that there's maybe a little more imminent uh, is, is four-star cornerback Demarius McGee, Pensacola, Florida. That one's been a, a Tennessee Ole Miss battle down the stretch primarily with, uh, you know, Alabama and a few others also in the picture, Georgia among the, the top five. Miami's been in the mix, but, uh, but Tennessee's done a good job recruiting him for a long time. And, uh, and, and the Vols are, uh, are right there uh, in, in the mix for him as he gets ready to, to announce the decision. He's talked about making the decision by August. So I think that's still his plan. And, uh, if nothing changes there, I think Tennessee's got a real shot at him. So that's one to watch certainly in August. Another one that's at least a possibility, and I put this one more in the possibility category because we've seen him talk about announcing before and back off it uh, once before and then another time throughout a possible decision timeline that he sort of didn't follow through on. But Tyrion Ingram Dawkins is, is talking about making a decision by this month, maybe before his season starts. That one still looks like a Georgia, Tennessee, South Carolina battle primarily. And, uh, 
uh, you know, not, not surprising to see it come down to those guys in the end, if, if that's what, what um, remains the case, but yeah, Tennessee is, uh, is right there in that one. And, you know, if he had announced back in May, I think it would have been Tennessee, but this has given South Carolina more of a chance to sort of get back in it. And I think there's a little more optimism on South Carolina's end this time around, not counting out Georgia at all. Um, but, you know, that's a, it's a three-way battle and, and looks like it's going to be a tight one down the stretch. But if he follows through on, on his plans, he might announce something in, in August. And then another guy on the offensive line to watch, uh, Rod Orr, uh, a four-star tackle from down Alabama, actually has a connection to Tennessee. He's a cousin of Tennessee commitment, Rock Taylor. Uh, those guys have at least had some interest in playing together in college. So if that happens uh, or if, if, if that plays out to, to Tennessee's benefit, you know, that, that certainly could uh, – uh, steer him toward the balls if uh you know if, if maybe if auburn doesn't come calling there's some thought that auburn could be on the verge of offering and uh if if that auburn offer doesn't come you know maybe even if it does but if that auburn offer doesn't come i think you have to look at tennessee as one of the favorites you know florida state uh some other teams still involved there but tennessee i think has done a really good job with them and, and has a real shot and we know they're looking for tackle bodies in this class on the offensive line so uh, those are a few, and, and there always could be more, but those are a few that we know are sort of, at least right now, eyeing August decisions, and that's something to keep an eye on over the next few weeks uh, where those guys get ready to start their senior seasons. Yeah, and that, that would be, you know, if um, if things work out there with, with Ingram Dawkins for South Carolina, you know, that, that would be that would be interesting because South Carolina, you look at it right now, I think maybe they're in the mid to late third or mid to upper 30s there rankings-wise. I think they're 38 maybe right now. Uh, got 15 commitments, which, you know, for, for a staff that, that's had some turmoil and, you know, must champ and, and, you know, is there confidence in him? The administration's kind of waffled back and forth. There's been a lot of things going on there, and that would be – I mean, that would surprise me a little bit, um, but I guess you never say never, right? I mean, the, those guys have been coaches before for a long time. They know how to recruit kids. Well, and, and South Carolina has had success with recruiting the top players from South Carolina in recent years. You know, they've had, a, I think this would be maybe the third straight year if they can get Ingram Dawkins. I think it'd be the third straight year they've gotten the number one player in South Carolina, despite Clemson being there. So they've, they've had some, they've had some pretty good fortune there in state. Uh, you know, even though they're recruiting, you know, has, has, has just naturally been more hit and miss because it's, it's, it's not always easy for South Carolina to win those battles against the Georgias and, Tennessee's and Florida's of the world, uh, but they, they've had some success there in state, and obviously, uh, you know, some some people around him that wouldn't mind seeing him go to South Carolina. So that's something to at least keep in mind. But I'm, I'm definitely not counting out Tennessee. I think the Vols have a real shot there, and w- wouldn't surprise me at all if, uh, if if Ingram Dawkins picked Tennessee. He's probably their most realistic option uh, among their current targets of, of an elite defensive lineman who could be added to their class. He's a top 100 player right now in the the 24 seven sports rankings. But yeah, and looking, just verifying what I'd said, you know, Zach Pickens, the five-star defensive, uh, defensive tackle from South Carolina. He, he picked the the Gamecocks in the 2019 class this past year, Jordan Birch, big time defensive lineman from right there in Columbia picked him. So yeah, this would be the third straight year. They've gotten the number one player from South Carolina if they can land him. But again, I think that's a real battle and, you know, most signs point to it being between South Carolina and Tennessee, but, uh, still a three-way race there, and some people think think Georgia's maybe more of a factor than we thought. Yeah, and I think that would surprise people um, with South Carolina because I think from a national perspective, you see what Clemson's done recently, and you think, well, clearly that everyone in that state's going to want to go to Clemson, right? And historically, you know, that that's that's not the case. Historically, uh, th- there's every bit as much of an imprint for South Carolina as there's for Clemson in that state. So, I mean, that, I think people make that assumption, and they go, why, why are these guys going to South Carolina? Well, there's some pull there. I mean, Tennessee, uh, for a while um, – you know, has not been maybe nationally elite. It's kind of fallen from its pedestal, but still the top players in the state, Tennessee's an institution. Tennessee is um, what people grow up dreaming of playing for around here, a lot of kids. So I, I think people who discount South Carolina, I think they miss that. Yeah, and they, they've, they've done a good job there in state with those guys, some five-star players. You know, the Ingram Dawkins is not quite ranked on the same level with those guys they've gotten in the past couple of years. Sure. And Dickens and Birch, but still some – so, some really talented players that have come out of that state they've gotten. And yeah, Ingram Dawkins, he, he, he still could end up being ranked uh, on, on that level. Wouldn't surprise me if he continued to move up. I think he's a really good player. A guy Tennessee's obviously really prioritized, but yeah, I think Tennessee's done a good job there. And uh, you know, they've certainly put a lot of energy into recruiting him and, and made him a priority before a lot of other teams did. So we'll see if their efforts pay off, but definitely it's, it's, it's a real battle down the stretch. And he says he's talking to 
you know, multiple coaches from all three of those staffs, Tennessee, South Carolina, and Georgia every single day. So it's going to be a real dogfight to the finish if that one ends up being an announcement uh, in, in August. Ryan, uh, before we step out of here, uh, and I say that because uh, Sir Angus McCorgahan is, is about reached the limits of his patience uh, with, with the uh, being barred from this room while we're recording the podcast. <laughs> he's he's made his, uh, his uh, ubiquitous podcast presence here, I guess, around the 40-minute mark or so. Uh, but uh, we talked a little bit earlier about some of these later classes and Tennessee is putting in work for future classes because they can do that because they've got 23 commitments, you know, right now already. So there's going to be movement within that group, certainly, but Tennessee's in a pretty good spot to, to kind of have a foundation and, and to kind of try to cherry pick for the rest of this class and then to try to uh, get some really good inroads in for previous classes. And, and something interesting, I think, uh, a development for Tennessee, Walter Nolan, defensive tackle or defensive lineman, I should say, who's the number three, I believe, overall player um, in the 2022 class. Uh, he's recently moved to uh, St. Benedict uh, there at uh, Auburndale or uh, Auburndale High School there, Cordova, which is right there outside Memphis. And the head coach there is uh, former Tennessee defensive lineman and uh, Michael Clark Duncan doppelganger Marlon Walls. So that's interesting to watch. That, that's really interesting. Yeah, that, the, the name of the school is a mouthful, St. Benedict at Auburndale, but it's... Uh, why yeah, would you of, name something that? Why, why are, are there so many St. Benedicts there that you have to say you're the one at Auburndale? Uh, it just it bothers me. Mostly known locally as St. Benedict, but yeah, right yes. there just outside Memphis on the east side of town. And, uh, and that's, a, uh, that's not a school traditionally known as, as one of the most loaded talent-wise in the Memphis area. So this is a big, big get for them. I think the last time they had a big-time prospect come out of that school was Jordan Wilkins, the running back that went to... Uh, to Ole Miss several years ago that Tennessee was was involved with for a while, but yeah, this is a this is a big deal. You know, getting a, getting a player like that who's originally from the Memphis area. It should be noted this isn't a random move. He played at Olive Branch High School in Mississippi, just on the other side of town, essentially, um, before making the move down to IMG Academy earlier this year uh, in Florida. And, and now, you know, after just a few months down there, has decided to transfer back closer to home. And that, that benefits Tennessee at least a little bit in this case. Uh, Tennessee gave him his very first offer back in April of last year. Uh, the Vols have done a good job of recruiting him so far, sort of been treating him as an in-state player for a long time, I think, because of his uh, of his hometown being right there across the, the state line from, from Memphis and essentially being in Memphis. So to, to have a guy like that, you know, not only playing in-state, but playing for a former Vol, that's – it's at least something that gives Tennessee a, a, a bit of a natural inroad in his recruitment, whereas maybe they were one of just several teams in the mix before. Maybe now this gives Tennessee a, a chance to emerge as a, as a serious, serious contender. Uh, you know, he hasn't been on campus before, aside from back in middle school. He did play in the Tennessee-Kentucky Future Stars game. And oh, I bet, that, I bet that'll change. Yeah, that allows middle school kids to, to, to check out Tennessee's facilities sometimes, and that's uh, – that's something he did back in uh, back in middle school that gave him a chance to 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 see the campus and the facilities. But otherwise, he's never visited the balls. hasn't taken a ton of visits so far. So his recruitment's still developing, and he's got a ton of offers. So it's going to be a real real battle for him. Obviously, uh, a lot of other teams will be in the mix there. But the fact that he's now in state a adds to what was already a really good looking 2022 class in Tennessee. It makes that. I would say one of the strongest classes we've seen in Tennessee and we'll, we'll see how it pans out, but we're, we're still seeing new offers go out in state uh, adding Walter Nolan to the state now gives Tennessee more than 25 players in the state in the 2022 class who already have Tennessee offers. That's uh, that's pretty impressive. So you're going to see a lot of, a lot of in-state battles. I think for Tennessee in that class, a lot of guys they prioritize and already are prioritizing and certainly a Walter Nolan, uh, you know, right up there at the top of that list now that he's in Tennessee. And I'm going to tell you two things about Marlon Walls. One, uh, that guy, just because he went to Tennessee, that will not impact anything with that kid. He's always been a, a high-character guy, and I, I don't think that that uh, – I don't think he'll steer him toward Tennessee in, in any way. But number two, uh, Marlon Walls will also, I don't believe ever in his life, say a truly horrible thing about Tennessee. Uh, maybe a, a Google search would pull up something that would that would, you know – prove that's wrong but off the top of my head uh he's always been a guy he and philip former were ended up being very close and he, he's proud of where he went to school so i don't think he'll steer that kid in any direction but that kid loves that that i don't say kitty the kid when i met him that guy that dude um is is he wears that vfl thing pretty proudly yeah and like you said i don't think he'll steer uh walter nolan to tennessee or anything but certainly yeah i think if he talks to him about tennessee and then there's already a good relationship there it's worth noting that he didn't just randomly pick saint benedict 
to to go to. You know, he wanted to play in the Memphis area again, but he had he had worked with Marlon Walls a little bit before. He he works with some Memphis area defensive linemen uh, and did that even before he became head coach at St. Benedict last year. So the fact that there's a relationship there, you know, there's some trust there. If Marlon Walls has some good things to say about Tennessee, you know, that that certainly can't hurt the Vols' chances of at least being a contender there. So that, that gives Tennessee a little more of a foot in the door there and what otherwise might have been just, uh, you know, more of a wide-open recruitment. I think Tennessee at least has an end to maybe be a, be a contender. You know, we'll see how, how much it goes beyond that. But certainly you, you'll take any advantage you can get with a, with a five-star player like that, a, a guy that people who have seen him play in person so far have, have talked to me about him said he's uh, – he's a legitimate five-star player that when you see him, he just pushes guys around. He's already been chosen to, the, to play in the 2022 Under Armour All-America game. So he, he's a big time player and someone that, you know, we, we don't see many of those types of defensive linemen in the state of Tennessee all that often. So he, this is a big time player that you'll be hearing a lot about over the next year and a half. Brian, is anything else going on before I uh, summarily remove you from this podcast and, and play the outro and get out of here? Anything recruiting-wise I didn't ask you about? Maybe any thoughts left over from the from the first segment? Anything that uh, uh, in, anything that if I were to say the floor is yours, you'd like to mention? Uh, nothing major except uh, there, there was a development, uh, I guess, while we were recording this. Uh, Tennessee, it looks like, is getting the go-ahead to resume contact sports in the state. So, uh, so the Governor Bill Lee issuing an executive order that will allow contact sports to resume provided they follow the requirements of the TWSAA. So, uh, the, and, you're, and, and, and you're talking high school ball clearly. Yeah. So this should give high schools the chance in state to, to resume, uh, activity and, and maybe start on time. So that's a, that's a big deal. Something that the TWSAA has been hoping for, but was not guaranteed. And, uh, you know, they had a contingency plan in place, but, uh, yeah, for this to be, uh, for this to be happening now, that's that's good news for people in state across the state of Tennessee that have been, um, you know, waiting to see football start back. You know, and we, we now see a light at the end of the tunnel. This may be happening now that high school football might be uh, might be starting on time, which means we could have some games here in about three weeks. And I'll say this: let's keep that light at the end of the tunnel by doing the things we're supposed to do. Let's keep wearing masks. Let's keep washing hands. Let's keep, you know, I think there's this misconception out there that that they're it's silly, but unsurprising that that some people think that there are those of us in sports media who don't want to to want to see football shut down for whatever stupid reason uh no we this is our livelihoods we want football to be played we very 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 much want football to be played uh that that puts food on the table and keeps light above our heads and the reason i think a lot of us are being so insistent on this is that uh if things keep going in the wrong direction, we, we might not get it. And that's going to suck for us. It's going to suck for everybody. It's going to really suck for us. Uh, it's y'all's entertainment. It's our livelihood. So we really, really, really want to see sports played this fall. Uh, but there are certain things we got to do to make that happen. So why not just do that, right? That's the easiest way to do it. Um, ho- hopefully everyone will be acting responsibly the next few weeks and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get this football season started. Yeah, I, I still don't understand the 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 people out there thinking that a bunch of sports writers don't want sports to happen none of the sports writers i talk to all the time including none of us here on staff want to see football not being played this fall so yeah hopefully everybody continues to act responsibly and we continue to get those numbers down wherever they need to be and we're able to to start this season without a hitch and um, you know certainly better than major league baseball has has had the first uh, week of the season go but you know I, i'm still optimistic that, that we'll see football this year at the college level and Hopefully we'll do everything we can here uh, in the Southeast and in Tennessee to make that possible. Yeah, guys, no matter what the hell happens in November, I want to get paid. So uh, let's, let's, let's just do what the doctors say. That's all I'm saying. Appreciate it, Ryan. Thanks, man. Anytime. Thanks guys. Thanks for tuning in as always. If I could hit that button now I did. Thanks for tuning in. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24 seven on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24 seven on Twitter. Patrick Brown's P Brown 24 seven on Twitter. And who did I leave out? Grant Ramey. Yeah. Grant Ramey is just Grant Ramey on Twitter. How did I leave out Ramey? How did I leave out Ramey? Did I do it intentionally? Maybe I did. 
Maybe I did. But you can find him on Twitter, twitter.com slash Grant Ramey. Just kidding. He's a good dude. Go do that. You can find all of us on Twitter at twitter.com slash goballs247. Also, if you just want Tennessee news and nothing else, you just want to, you don't want to, to see my Corgi pictures or, you know, Ryan talk about the godforsaken St. Louis Cardinals or me complaining about the Chicago Cubs bullpen or Ramey complaining and, and Patrick complaining about the, the Braves bullpen because apparently every bullpen everywhere sucks. Uh, if you don't want to, you want to hear any of that, just false. You can go to twitter.com slash go 24 seven and get that. Or you can go to facebook.com slash go 24 seven, which is mostly uh, Tennessee stuff, but there is some other stuff on there also, but it's a really popular Facebook page. So go check that out at facebook.com slash go 24 seven, or you can go get that delicious East Tennessee mountain spring water directly from the source, directly from the tap right there at GoVols247.com, I believe, until the end of the month. Yes, until the end of the month. You can get 60% off of your first year's subscription there with us, which is a really, really good deal. Uh, or if you want to pay us full price, you can get full access in perpetuity for all time. As long as you pay us full price, you get a free access uh, all access to CBS All Access. Did I say that right? Let's say that I did. That's CBS, a streaming platform. Tons of great stuff on there. I know you, you've probably played everything that you've got on the other streaming platforms. Go to CBS All Access. Every show that CBS has ever done, every episode right there, commercial free, uh, new movies that pop in and out every month, live sports when they return. Got some uh, college football, SEC football there, NCAA basketball, March Madness, the tournament. Uh, you got some, uh, certainly some World Series of Poker stuff. Uh, you've got some uh, UEFA Champions League, UEFA football, uh, football, world football on there too, coming pretty soon, thanks to that deal. All kinds of stuff there on CBS All Access. Also podcast stuff too. All kinds of neat stuff there. Go to uh, go to pay us the full price, GoVoss247. We'll give you that for free. No questions asked. No questions asked. Go do that. If nothing else, if there's no major breaking news, knock on wood, because I will be full of scotch for the next few days. Uh, if nothing else happens, we'll, you'll hear from us on Monday morning. See y'all. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.